0: Well, hey everybody! Welcome back to the breakdown. I'm your host, John Hummison. As always, we're joined with the the Good Vicar. I was gonna not you, say you it. You weren't gonna say. I it. I wasn't gonna say, it, and then you it just tripped started. up on it, and there it was. <gasps> Sorry, I it, see how it it's is. To throw back to season one, we made it eight episodes.
1: It's like eventually, I just had to come to the realization I need to stop saying "mick rib" on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so I did. I needed to stop saying the stabbing babies.
0: Well, Yeah, that's definitely.
1: Which, if you don't know the context, I was a pediatric nurse and I gave shots. And I so don't
0: know that that helps because everyone in the church that I've talked to knows <laughs> that and it still rubs them the wrong way uh, when you say it. Yeah, just a couple people. Because you'll say it super just flippantly, like, oh, you know, when I stab babies. It's yeah. like, oh gosh, here we go. Yeah, I think one time I said it
1: without the qualifier that I was a pediatric nurse. And and so, like, I just, so I finally just kind of stopped saying that.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to stop saying good vicar. Well, cool. well,
1: yeah. It, it's hard. It is. You know how many times I want to do a McRib joke or reference a McRib or, and I, and I can't, because if I do it, I'm I mean, going to have six people that come up to me after service and been like, Oh, there's the McRib again. You know, they're <laughs> going to, there's going
0: to be some comment. I'm, I'll just replace it with something else. So like, I'll try to be serious and I'll be like, well, as always, we're sitting down with the Reverend Nick Pierce. So it's like, we're just going to trade out yeah. what it is. So or Or Nick, Nick works too. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go back and just re-record the
1: intro? I know. And even like the, we went and visited a church recently mm-hmm. and got to see a behind the scenes mm-hmm. and all that. And one of the things that they do culturally within their context is they uh, they really do affirm using proper Pastor. ti- pastoral titles.
0: Everybody is like, oh, th- hey, this is Pastor yeah. Joe. Yeah. Pastor so Joe, even this is...
1: one another to on staff and like, oh, hey, I need to go over there and talk to Pastor Andy or something like that. And it's like. That was hard for me because, uh, you know, a lot of times I hear people, "Oh, hey, Pastor Nick," and I'm like, "Don't pastor me." I'm gonna start doing it. Yeah, thank you. Please, that would, that, that would be such a blessing in my life. That is the boss. And and I don't mind when people do it. It's more when like people you know, like, "Oh, hey, Pastor," <laughs> you know, they do that motion or whatever. Well, so hey, it's like, whatever. Reverend, I'm yeah, to start doing that. Yeah, yeah, do that. <laughs> Let <laughs> me know how that turns out for you. Oh, man. What are we doing here today? Uh, we're, we're, we're sitting we down to the, the podcast. <laughs>
0: Apparently, uh, you lied to the people last week. You lied. I did. Oh. Let me let me say a disclaimer. <laughs> last week, I totally forgot that we were doing baptism and communion this so Sunday. Right back so Revelation. I jumped right, right back into Revelation. And so I told everybody, hey, mm. today or this week, we'd be yeah. breaking down Sardis. Sardis. That's not true. So sorry, no Sardis. Sorry, no Sardis. <laughs> and if you came to listen to Sardis, you might as well just turn it off now. Yeah, yeah. We've got some good things to talk about, but do if, we now? Oh, we do. Okay, we do. All right. Uh, before we jump it. into that, last week uh, we talked about Revelation 2, eighteen through twenty nine, not twenty four. Because twenty four. I didn't write twenty four in the sermon title. Oh, okay. So I don't know where I pulled twenty four yeah. from. Um, but uh, we talked. We talked about the church at Thyatira, and we, uh, we, we kind of went off on sexual immorality <laughs> within the church. Did
1: you hear anything? From anybody about that? What I had four people
0: from the time we recorded it to up until Sunday. <laughs> uh call me, text me, or stop me in church and just say, Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. Which that was not the response and I you, had prepared. You were expecting Oh, I had prepared myself yeah. for how could you say that? How dare you go there? Like, but it was cool. So yeah. if you didn't listen to last week, highly encourage you, highly encourage you. Uh, to go listen to that, it's last week's episode. It's Z said it was probably one of our
1: best. He goes, "That's one that like I, I'll, I'll mark and send to people." He goes, "I've done that with a couple." He goes, "Like I have a top three or four okay, that we're now getting to the point where it's like, hey, I'll use that and send it to someone." It's also goes, our longest too. Was it our it was, longest? It was an hour and thirty-four
0: minutes. <clears throat> D H, you are welcome. So, <laughs> you know who you are. Somebody told me. Uh, he texted me too, by the way. I was like, oh, cool. And then uh, one of our board members said something to me about really? it. Yeah, he was like, I popped, like I got on and saw an hour 34. and am like, <laughs> good <laughs> grief, here we go. So now it's almost like a challenge.
1: Like how yeah. long can we make can, it? And, a, and some people are like, no, there need they need to be longer. They need to be longer. And it's like almost if it would go longer, we would need to like, uh, like uh uh part one it and
0: part two yeah, and then part two it yeah cuz like, you almost forget like yeah. even though you can pause it'd be nice to segment it out in yeah, part one yeah. and part two but this and it's week it's a little more digestible that is true there you go. that is true so this week this week we uh because we talk on we talk, <laughs> we talk. because we we had baptism and communion mm. uh service yeah. i thought Hey, this is this is a great palate cleanser from Revelation. Yeah. At the same time, <laughs> let's just stick right in with you uh, know taking people off. Taking people I off. Know. I think that's become our specialty. We may need to change the name of the breakdown. You know, we'll call it the, the Bible study, where all we do is take people off.
1: I think it was John Wesley that said when he was traveling and preaching in different uh, towns and cities. He goes, "If they don't run me out, I question if I preach the gospel." That's
0: and that's the kind of confidence yeah. I want.
1: And then like, I heard somebody else on a, on a Instagram story or something. There was like a podcast interview and he was saying, if you, if people in your church don't walk out at least once a year, really mad and ticked off or like offended, Mm -hmm. you might
0: question what you're preaching. My, some of the best sermons that I remember are sermons. I only remember because I walked out and did the mental game. All week, I cannot believe he said that. Who the <laughs> heck does he think he is saying that? And I yeah. like, I'm gonna go prove him wrong. Yeah. I'm gonna open up the Bible, you know, like I like, I just really is it, that me? Uh, no. Okay, good. No, no, I haven't left. That's like
1: how'd that go for you? I haven't everybody? left
0: ticked off. I've left like, oh, man, I don't <laughs> like that. But it's never been at you because it's like the spirit's doing something. But so, oh. but I thought it would be cool because we did baptism and communion um, to kind of wade into the waters because we. S- we said it a couple times mm-hmm. in the different services, uh, and we even ask right before we we baptize people specifically, um, "Hey, you heard Pastor oh, yeah. Nick preach on our view of baptism. Yep. Do you agree with that, or some variation of that?" Yep. And so, for us, uh, in in the world of of Christianity, um, there are different modes, different views mm-hmm. of baptism, yep. as well as communion. So I thought it'd be fun for us to dive into, So you, you know. you're jumping into baptism first. We can let's jump wherever go. you want. We can do communion first, nope. but I don't no, really care. No, you're already care. on baptism. Let's, but let's go. I figured that would be a, a kind of a fun space. Yeah. I had to write paper. That's what I was going to say. You're, you're
1: bringing some uh, some
0: significance here. I, you, wrote, you wrote some papers. I don't papers remember. It. I have a book called this. The Four Views of Baptism. Wow. Like it's a whole book. Dedicated to four different views, and I know exactly where it's at. It's, really? it's in my, yeah, it's at my house. Okay. Um, okay. wish I'd have brought it today. That'd have been perfect. <laughs> um, but I thought it'd be cool to just kind of navigate those waters. Yeah. This this is obviously the whole purpose of the breakdown is to break down and dissect yeah, yeah. Uh, in ways and and kind of mm-hmm. processes that we can't on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And this uh, this mode yeah. of uh, ministry that yeah. we do called the breakdown. affords that and and obviously we don't know where the conversation is going to go but always good to like clarify
1: so like we obviously are going to talk about our view we're probably going to talk about um another uh denominations stance Mm -hmm. on it that would be different than ours um and where uh we want to tread lightly and and grace and truth in that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we understand that there are others that are going to believe a little bit differently than us, and and it does uh, wade into essential matters, mm-hmm. which can be difficult, too, yep. you know, because some people say, oh, as long as we're all focused on Jesus, that's all that matters. And it's like... um. How do you get to him, or how do you mm-hmm. how are you saved by him? Mm-hmm. Like, so baptism's gonna certain views are gonna scratch the surface of that in the sense of salvation and different things like that. And so, always just trying to keep an open mind where we, you know, we want to be uh, informed. Mm-hmm. We, I like what Peter says, we want to be ready in season or outer season in, in season or out of season, mm-hmm. um, to give a defense. And that's where we get the word apologia, so apologetics, defending mm-hmm. our faith we want to be ready to defend for the hope that we have in us. Mm-hmm. So we, we're not ready to defend our theological stance. We mm. want to defend the hope that we have in mm. Christ. Right. Be very careful because some of you did not hear what <laughs> Nick just said. You know, so a lot of times we want to hear somebody. OK, I, well, I got some Lutheran friends or I got some Catholic friends or I got some Christian friends like the denomination Christian. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to listen to this podcast. I'm going to write down all the notes and man, I'm going across the street and I'm going to kick their face in. And we we're going to 95 hey,
0: theses. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And
1: it's like, no, Um what i appreciated uh, in in bible so two things in bible college one of the main things that was kind of just really embedded in me is know what you believe mm-hmm. right why you believe it mm-hmm. where to find it so you got to be able to defend it with scripture that was always a clear thing and i've still carried that um choose to obey it and share it with others so know what you believe know what you believe i know, believe in jesus yeah okay w- why do you believe that Because somebody told me to <laughs> next <laughs> you, know, you know how many times that that's <laughs> oh, my pastor yeah my yeah, pastor no. or that's just what our church believes or the bible says so that's it's, what i grew up around yeah that's what yep and it's like okay hey where does that where where does that belief come from like where so you believe that jesus genesis is, to revelation yeah like where in the word are you finding that because sometimes we can get real vague when it comes to the Word of God then oh I'm sure it's in there somewhere, you know like or we uh, talk about the Cleanliness Bible. is next to righteousness or a whole. what's that what is that? Oh yeah we, um, we have a lot of those uh, Christianese token statement, phrases, tokens yeah. phrases that are not in Scripture. like God won't give you more than you can handle. No, I'll shut up you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh, what not are, true. that's in second opinions, three, four, you know, um, <laughs> heretical in every way, yeah, you, you know, and so a lot of times we'll hear those and they sound um, the sound biblical. Is it really biblical? They
0: sound nice when you're the person not walking through it, telling someone who is walking through it.
1: So you want to know where to find it as well. And again, you don't have to have the Bible memorized. Nobody will. Again, my Old Testament professor who kind of wrote those five things out that really, uh, that was kind of, if if you had a mission statement as a professor, that's what his was, uh, that he wanted to pass along to students. He would just say, like, if you could just know, like, book and chapter, that's good. Mm. So like, we're going to bring up as we talk about communion, um, John six. And I know John six is where Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, not John chapter six, verse three through seven. Like if I know a basic idea of where it's at, like, okay, so when we talk about Jesus, fully God and fully human, and he took on flesh. You know, there's John 1. If you talk about that, he emptied himself. There's Philippians 2. And then if I at least have that, I'll go and then, okay, here's the verse. Starting point. I got to scan. Gotcha. And sometimes it's even even a little bit more broad, like talking about, you know, the stoning of Stephen. Six or seven right in there, like beginning parts of <laughs> give me, Acts. Give me three you know. chapters. Yeah. We'll, we'll go. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the seven churches— uh, of revelation, two or three, two and three, it's the beginning part, you know, so I don't need to go to chapter 22 and, and uh, try to find it, you know? So you just want to know basic things, where to find it. And that's key. And so that just to maybe not, not lowering the bar, but let's be practical yeah. about the bar. You oh, that's know? And that's why it's always good then to have a Bible. Then, you know, there's a lot of times uh, people ask me questions and I'm pulling up my phone or in the Bible and it's like, okay, I want to go to where that's at and find specific the specific verse. Yeah. Cause I'm remembering, I just don't know the exact coordinates. So, and then obviously choose to obey it. That's mm-hmm. a key. That's the fourth one, key one, and then share it with others. And so we do want to share Um, and so just be ready in season or out season in season and out of season, uh, to give a defense, to defend your faith for the hope that we have. And so we don't want it to be a 95 thesis. I'm going to go beat them up. Um, but to understand also where other ones believe Mm -hmm. and, and, and what they believe and, and where we don't. Yeah. And so that's where my seminary, I think did a great job. They would give different topics and you had to defend and critique each topic. And then give your stance on it. So you had to do both. I had to. You do, had both. do some work. That's yeah, cool. you had to do some work. That's so cool. it wasn't just, "Hey, this is what we believe because we're good Christians." Now defend it. It's like, no. So it. it so I can defend. Like we're going to talk about a couple of d- different stances. I can defend both of them, and I can I can critique both of them. Or you know, same thing with, uh, like a Jehovah Witness. They would mm-hmm. say that Jesus is a lesser God. Mm-hmm. Well, Where do they get that from? I want to have their understanding to see okay and and why i want to know why that uh makes sense to them per se but then i want to know then how do i critique that and how would i respond and that's what's kind of fun because you sit down with some people and where you know there's going to be a little bit theological difference and you start talking and it's like in one breath i can be like defending this and they're like, oh yeah, yeah we're, we're in unity. And, and then I can flip the switch and they're like, well, hold it. Cause, cause a lot of times I will start that way. Oh yeah, we're, we'll find what we're like and then, and say, well, okay. If we're like, how do we defend this then? Like how would you do? It? And they're like, hold on, that's that's against what I believe. And it's like, like I thought this was going to be easy. And we yeah, agree. but mm-hmm. we still have to ask the question. So so always keep those conversations. You know, um, you know, some would say, oh, they're not believers because they don't believe exactly like this. Always want to tread lightly in that, but we are going to talk about different theological views in regard to baptism and communion, um, but we're still called to the same fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. so we still need to be kind mm-hmm. and patient mm-hmm. and loving to our neighbors, um, and, and hopefully, if anything, it grows in us a deeper conviction for our beliefs and also grows in us intellectually so that we could uh, intelligently approach someone else yeah. because the worst thing always is it's like oh I've never heard that before and so sometimes uh, what can happen is when we come across something that we've never heard before then we think oh is my church lying to me or is there is there more to this and like it can cause a negative where I I want to be able to approach me like okay yeah. I want to know what that's about so baptism what do you got for me you wrote the paper on it I should here that's let's right. we're going to switch give me your I notes I don't have notes after that.
0: No, like, because that's, that's yeah. the thing. I, for, there's probably a lot of people that are that listening or could listen when whenever they listen to this. It's not that they've stuck their head in the sand and refused to learn. Yeah. But, like, for me, it was college yeah. when I wrote the paper yeah. that I really had a little bit, you know, in, in some of my classes, but no one had ever, like, sat down and walked me through the mm. why. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's hey, good. this is baptism. Cool. Like, I I grew up uh, in a theological camp in a church where we submersed. That's mm-hmm. all I knew. That's all yep. I saw. Lived in a smaller town, didn't really have friends outside of that. So you get to—even though I went to a Southern Baptist college, there's still a conglomeration of oh, people yeah. and beliefs. And so having those conversations with uh, with people who came from different churches mm-hmm. and different theological camps, it was like— why why am i wrong are you wrong (laughs) and it's like okay that's not the question but what's something's different here. that's our
1: knee-jerk reaction though is what we want to go with and
0: oh they're wrong i'm wrong who's wrong and and point that way and so for me i've i've appreciated where where we want to we want to celebrate baptisms Mm. we want to celebrate um, I don't like using that word and I've said that a couple of times. We want to celebrate communion for for what it is Jesus' yeah. death on the cross that gives us life um, that, that remembrance uh, teaching on that yeah before we partake in communion and mm-hmm. celebrate baptism. like for me that's been special because I, I can just look around our church and go, I know there's people in here that don't understand yeah. why it may be different or why we do it this yeah. way. And so good. let's jump into baptism first, yeah. and then we'll jump into communion. So so you,
1: you were saying something I didn't even think about. It. I was going straight to—I was going in a different direction. So right before we jumped on here, you were talking about something. I was like, I didn't even think about that, bringing that up. Like, uh, I was thinking more the nature of baptism. Does it save you or not? And and you were mm, talking mode. modes. You know, that's— so Because
0: usually, th- it, it's theologically— th- uh, those camps tend to follow. Yep. Uh, where uh, some would say that baptism saves you. Yep. And the mode in which they baptize is different. Yeah. So let let's cover it. Let's just go. Let's so just dive in.
1: You said there was four. I was trying to think. Like I'm. I'm just thinking. There's full
0: immersion. I don't. Remember. Let me see if I can find
1: the. Yeah. Book, see if we can find something. So there obviously. So at Calvary Chapel we are a full immersion. Uh, we are gonna dunk you. We are full immersion plus three. It means we're gonna yeah. hold you we're down gonna, for yeah. a couple extra yeah. seconds. We're gonna we're gonna count to three and then let you up. <laughs> and we're gonna count to three in the Hebrew, which I don't know if that takes longer or not. But no, teasing, that was a joke.
0: I take Hebrew. I don't ever want to I, I, I don't, don't ever want to keep it. <laughs> so,
1: so there's full immersion and then there's sprinkling, right? Um and then even when baptism is done, so some there's there's infant baptism mm-hmm. and then there's a, again another baptism, possibly when you're older. Um, and so like, when, when do you do it? and what, uh, there's a lot of that. And so I wasn't even thinking about per se the mode. I was looking straight at the nature of baptism. So I found the book. I was trying to see what you got for us.
0: Anything understanding, understanding four views on baptism. Yeah. By, oh, good grief. (laughs) Thomas Nettles, Richard Pratt, Jr., Robert Kolb, and John D. Rockefeller. No. <laughs> Castling. So let me I don't recognize any of those names. All right, so the they contents... They didn't invite me to the party. Here we go. Ba- the Baptist view, baptism yep. as a symbol of Christ's saving work. Okay. The so Reformed is... view, oh. baptism as a sacrament of the covenant. Okay. I remember it now. Okay. The Lutheran view, God's baptismal act as regenerative. Uh-huh. And the fourth view, Christian Church churches of Christ's view believers baptism as the biblical occasion of salvation. Hmm. So it's a little bit more the nature than
1: than actually I was thinking like sprinkling the, yeah, yeah, yeah. or yep. something like that. So yeah, we're we're kind of going in the same direction. We can take whatever yeah, I have. That seems zero. <laughs> so the the we're full immersion because we see that's what John the Baptist was doing. Jesus comes along, Jesus is baptized that way. I like the um when we were talking about baptism we we meet with those Uh getting baptized that we do a pastoral visit and we talk about like when you're standing in the waters of baptism that's like christ on the cross and when we lower you into the waters that's christ being lowered into the grave Mm -hmm. and obviously when we raise you up out of the waters that's christ being raised to new life and so we are we are to be in Christ in our salvation, uh, this is the outward expression of that that symbolizes it. Yeah. And so our view is it's it's very it's it's not very symbolic. It is symbolic. symbolic, yeah. And it follows salvation. It follows forgiveness. It follows repentance. It's not a means of it. Because when I was doing uh, a little bit of study in the the kind of the f- three different ways that they described it, talking about the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And so then we'll talk about what that means. But the sacraments are either a cause of grace, be more your Catholic mm-hmm, view, mm-hmm. you know, um, and or the sacraments could be a means of grace. So how do you receive yep. the grace? That'd be more your Lutherans. Um, shout out to my Lutheran friends. Whoop, whoop. And the then, Diet Catholics. <laughs> do what? The Diet Catholics. Yeah, the Diet Catholics. There we go. And then uh, the last kind of view of the sacraments is more they're a symbol of grace. Mm. And we would line up far more yep. right there. Right there. So, um, and then, so the sacraments, you know, hey, what are those? Because we, I don't use the term sacraments. I use the term ordinances. Yep. Uh, we could use the term sacraments, but a lot of that's, again, more of a Catholic kind yep. of a, approach. Catholics would hold that there's seven sacraments. Um, are you going to get them?
0: Let's see no, if it I'm trying up.
1: to. So there's baptism, uh-huh. but it'd be birth. Yep. You know, b- baptize at birth or baptize a baby. Yep. Um, there'd be the Eucharist yep. where we would say communion, not Eucharist, but we'll get to that. Um, there's confession. Mm-hmm. So you got to go to confession, um, holy orders.
0: That's okay.
1: Confirmation. There's two more, uh, uh, marriage and Ooh, Ooh.
0: Drop my book. Hold on. <laughs> oh, you got to bring this book into,
1: yeah, you got to see this bad boy. It's, it's, it's thick and hefty. It's my favorite.
0: Oh, what, what I'm anointing of the sick
1: oh anointing of the sick see
0: come on guy we just did that like <laughs> and we do two that ago. but
1: we wouldn't see it as a sacrament yeah we you know that's not a uh uh means yeah it's yep. not a means of grace yeah, yeah, yeah exactly so so they would say they're seven and so you can get into the argument how many are there uh us as protestants we would hold um to 42 the, <laughs> to 42 of them that's what we're gonna do we want a lot of grace we would hold to two of them uh baptism Communion. Communion. And so the biggest argument that I usually get that I want to be very clear in with baptism is that baptism uh, is not a means of salvation, meaning you don't need to be baptized to be saved. Mm-hmm. And there are some churches, I mean, even uh, I can think of one locally that would hold that you need to be baptized to be saved. Mm-hmm. And, and so where does that come from? Well, let's defend it. Let's defend the thought. Where are you going? We lost Jeron. Jaron's coming back. Ooh, he's bringing his Bible. So Acts two thirty eight uh, is is one passage that we're gonna we're gonna hear, uh, uh, and again, this is what's hard. You want to always take let let all of Scripture um, interpret scripture, interpret scripture. That's the way to do it. And we always want to take verses in context, but if you would just to read v- verse 38, so this is Peter, he's up, he's preaching. This is the day of Pentecost full of the Holy spirit. Um, and what I love about it is at the beginning, when they, when they hear all the disciples speaking in tongues, which we can talk about that is in another breakdown <laughs> verse, uh, what is it? 12, they're perplexed, they're amazed, and they're saying to one another, what does this mean? So that's an intellectual question, right? Mm -hmm. And now, after Peter preaches and he tells them, hey, I'll tell you what this means, and he starts in Joel, and then he's walking through all the way to the resurrection of Jesus, then in verse 37, right at the end of it, so they're cut to the heart, and, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So they go from an intellectual question now to a heart responsive Mm -hmm. question. What was we do? And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so you would read that if you just read that in that context, you would think, well, that's Paul's pretty clear. Paul, Peter's pretty clear that you need to put your faith in your trust. You need to repent and be baptized, and that's how you're going to receive the forgiveness of sins. Um, and and so that's one area. Then uh, there's, I think, Acts 16. I wrote down a bunch of little verses so I could be getting my notes mixed up, but you know what? We all make mistakes sometimes. You're a human too. It is. It is. <laughs> So then you have the the Philippian jailer and he's converted. So Paul and Silas are in jail. Oh, I love this story. And so um, go back and read it, but we're picking it up. Verse 30. And he brought them out and he says, sir, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So the Philippian jailers looking at Paul and Silas, what do I must do to be saved? He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household and spoke that word to him. And at the same hour that night, they washed the wounds and he was baptized at once, he and his, all his family. And so th- w- there's a few instances where we see salvation and baptism together, and it's almost kind of given as a... an an equation, like they're supposed to be done together for salvation. Like here's the formula. Formula, that's the word I yeah, was yeah. looking for. There's the formula for salvation. And so, um, and, and this is one of the struggles, issues that I have with the modern day church, right? So when we read in the New Testament, um, why it's can cause a little bit of confusion is because, sal- you know, a moment of salvation and the act of baptism were done Almost together, mm-hmm. very simultaneously. One happened, then the other. Repent, be baptized. Uh, believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized. They were done very close together. Yeah. Where nowadays, um, and, and for different, various reasons, it's nothing bad. They're not heathens or sinners. But you'll have people that give their life to the Lord. They'll have a moment of salvation. But then there's a long time. Before baptism. Before baptism. And so how I approach it is salvation is... Uh, And putting your faith and your trust—that's your first. um, I don't want to say act of faith, but it is like that's that's your first step step of faith, right? That you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus. That's the first step of your faith. Now, your first step of obedience is baptism.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and that's so if and I think we I wish we could bring that back together a little bit because um, it it's almost one of those things where hey we want you to put your faith and your trust in Jesus for salvation yes you are saved now now you need to walk with Christ and, and obey him what's that look like well the first step of obedience should be baptism that you are now publicly identifying yourself with Christ so it doesn't save you it follows and, and, but they're done so close together that sometimes I think we mix it up and we think, oh, okay, baptism saves you and they have to be done together, which the guy on the cross next to Jesus mm-hmm. was not baptized. Mm-hmm. And what did Jesus say to him? This day you'll be with me in paradise. We could talk about why he says paradise and not heaven on another podcast, but there you go. You can read about that. <laughs> it's episode what, 47. 47. But what they didn't do is take that dude off the cross, baptize him and put him back on the cross. <laughs> and even his confession, I mean... You talk about, hey, what's needed to be saved? He just looks over at Jesus and says, hey, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Like, he didn't have this, like, drawn-out prayer, prayer coming into my yep. life, my heart, lead and guide me. It's like, dude's on the cross. Yeah. He said, hey, just remember me. And he's like, yeah, hey, you're going to be with me in paradise. Like, that's... It's all it really took. So, even, and that could even be another topic of like what is needed unto salvation, but what they definitely didn't do was baptism. So, baptism always follows. And what we see here is your first step of faith, putting your faith in Jesus, your trust in Him, and then your first step of obedience, becoming baptized. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we have to be able to separate those, even though you'll see them closely linked. And there's a couple other places that we can look to really show us like, okay, baptism, yes, important, needed, definitely encouraged, not mandated unto salvation. But I would probably say it's mandated unto obedience. Okay. To have a, to have an, to have a Christian, a follower of Jesus, following Jesus, (laughs) um, that hasn't been baptized. I mean, there's a certain level of like, why not? Yeah, you know, like there's a certain level of obedience yeah. to that. I think where it's where, again, we're not talking about a salvation issue, but I think there is something to it. Um, or if there wasn't, then why Jesus command us to go and make disciples and baptize them? Mm. So if we have the command to go and do that, then we also have the command upon ourselves to engage in that. So, so Jesus's view in Matthew 28, as he's given the great commission to go and make disciples and baptize them, then his expectation is that every follower of Jesus, every disciple then would be baptized. Mm -hmm. And so there, so a lot of times the, the other air of the spectrum is, okay, yeah, baptism doesn't save you. So therefore I don't need to do it. Jesus doesn't give you that door either. His expectation would be that every disciple would be baptized. Not unto salvation, but that there is something about that, and we'll get to it in a little bit. Okay, so I have a question now. Yeah,
0: see? yeah, Because <laughs> my mind's going 100 miles an hour. I, know, I could tell. I could see it in your eyes. So apparently I do something when I'm thinking, so I've been told. But... So you, one of the things that we've we've talked about, especially on Sunday morning, is sitting in the tension, and we've mentioned mm, it here in the podcast. Love the tension. So here's some of the tension that I'm feeling, regardless mm-hmm. of, uh, of theological views, whether you agree or disagree. Um, it, for us, if we're not going to say that uh, that baptism is a part of salvation, but we're also going to say you know, you just pose the question, like, it's it's an act of obedience, mm-hmm. then what do we do with that tension of people? Because it seems like what everybody wants is the black and white. Oh, I know. It. You know, like, it either Sorry. is or it isn't. And so it's like, okay, well, if you say it is, then this must follow. And if you say yeah. it isn't, then this must follow. And it's like, yeah. well, you don't get that here. Yeah. You know, so someone who either doesn't feel the need to get baptized, someone who doesn't feel... um. Uh, the the um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. The importance yeah. of obeying and and yeah. following in that act, because like you could make the argument mm-hmm. if it's not a part of salvation, w- besides Jesus commanding, mm-hmm. what's the purpose? Yeah. Like if 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 I'm not going to get dinged for it in yeah. a very um, you know American way of saying it, then yeah. am I doing it just because? Yeah. So we would hold baptism and communion both to be symbolic. Correct.
1: But the same Christian that doesn't see the need for baptism, because it doesn't save you, still engages into the symbolic act of communion. Mm. If you're gonna hold, hold fast. If you're gonna hold that I, I don't need to be baptized because I'm not, that's not required for unto salvation, then why do you take communion? Then don't cherry pick it and don't. Cherry I gotcha. Pick okay. It, okay. You know. So there there is that, and I've proposed that question yeah, yeah. to a few. Um. And and again we're. You know, we're all in process. Might not be somebody's, you know, but again, we never really saw that in the New Testament mm-hmm. of somebody be becoming saved, and then later in life they were baptized. It was very done in almost unison, yeah, because, um, yeah, I this would be a very difficult analogy, but, um, when a baby is born. That is their birth, mm-hmm. and so when we talk about rebirth or we're are born mm-hmm. again, we become believers. Like that's that act right there that of of new birth. And so instead of being baptized, you know, just through the waters of birth, it now flash, we're ba- yep. yeah, now we're baptized in water of rebirth of our unto salvation. Mm-hmm. So we are a new creation. So to become a new creation, um, it, by our act of. Faith and trust in Jesus, and then later um, expressing that afterwards. Then the the gap, yeah, that would be peculiar, I think, to Paul. Why that separation? Yeah, yeah, I think any of the apostles, I would that that separation would be peculiar to them. And and I, I. I wish that was a context so we could speak into it because I think it needs to follow a little closer, which so trap doors in the stage uh, with the (laughs) baptism ready to go. (laughs) Which I don't agree because some people won't do baptism because oh we want to make sure they're good and saved, and it's like that's another question. Yeah, it's like how saved do you have to be to be baptized, and how saved do you have to be to be saved? Like what is what is required unto salvation? But I've heard that, like, yeah. oh, we want to make sure they're good and saved, and they're walking with the Lord. Then they get baptized, and it's like, no, 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 you just, you just put the, the initial step of obedience further down the road.
0: Mm, because Peter they, doesn't yeah. say,
1: repent and start reading your Bible and praying every day and attending church. And how many times should we do that to a new believer? Repent and be baptized. Here's our five steps of... Yeah. yeah. Because our baptism, like what we talked about on Sunday, it is baptizing us into a body of believers. Mm -hmm. Now, the body's going to discipline itself, and and we have spiritual disciplines. And so a part of the body is we're going to grow and train up this person, and that's where spiritual disciplines are going to come in. But I, I wonder if we... Uh, because of such delayedness of baptism, it's it it not talking about salvation, mm-hmm. but is it making it wonky as we talk about obedience? Because you might look at this like, okay, this symbolic act. Why is that so needed? If if you would do as something as simple as allowing yourself to be dunked in water. That is a symbol of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, mm-hmm. as an outward expression of the inward reality that you are putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. If you would do that in the presence of other, I mean, yeah, other followers of yeah, Jesus, yeah. like this is you want to talk about what's the easiest uh, uh, thing of obedience to Jesus to be baptized?
0: Doesn't get any easier though. Yeah, yeah.
1: If you would do that. Like, it's almost like, you know, you hear the Navy SEALs talking about make your bed every day. Mm-hmm. You want to live a disciplined life, make your bed every day. How hard is it to make your bed? Very easy to make your bed. But if you make your, if you make your bed, I've heard them say, there's one win. You've, you've already accomplished. So you're never a
0: failure. You always have at least one win. Yeah.
1: Because then they would go so far to say like, if the rest of your day
0: was horrible, you came back home. You get to crawl into a nice made bed. Well, Simon Sinek even talks about that, Yeah, where he talks about the rest of your day could be a complete and utter failure in your mind. Mm -hmm. But what, how do you say it? The way you begin and end your day is a win. Yeah. Instead of, like, you begin your day making the bed. When you come home, you get in a made bed, which always feels, yeah. like, psychologically for me, better. Yeah. You know, so you get into a made bed, and you're like, okay, the day's over. Mm-hmm. Now I go to sleep.
1: And, and how many times do we need, and maybe God knew something about us as humans, how many times do we need the remembrance item, and this mm-hmm. is going to hit very much on Sunday morning, externally to understand the internal? Yeah, Okay, like, let's just go
0: down the road a little bit. And let's I'm go. wondering if
1: your wife is more like mine.
0: Okay, I can guarantee you because they're <laughs> basically the same person. How, how long have you been married? Uh, seven years in July 9th. July 9th. Yep. Seven, oh, that's coming up. Yep. We will
1: be 18 years in February. So we're really close. Really close. <laughs> okay. Does your wife ever ask you if you love her? Yes. So even after years of marriage, spouses mm. can question, not if there's like legitimate reasons you're running around on or you're never home, you're da-da-da, like you're just home. little, yeah, There's yeah. just, it, it, it could be waking up with a headache, but they just don't know we have a headache. And it's like, do you even love me? Like, and we question this. And so how many times do we want to feel to see or feel the love of our spouse to help reaffirm in us what we truly know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So, in the same way, we talked about Ebenezer's on Sunday mm-hmm. impromptu. That was a yep. full on, just like just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, "Hey, get up there and share your Ebenezer's," because we were singing about it. Not everybody knows what an Ebenezer is. Rock of remembrance. Israel needed a stack of rocks to be able to look back and remember what God had done.
0: Yeah.
1: To so to then to flip it. So, and God's the one that said to do that. So in God's mind, if it, not because of who God's not powerful enough, but because I think of Israel's ignorance and stubbornness, which we are the exact Mm -hmm. same as individuals. If Israel didn't have the stack of rocks, it, it would have been that much easier to forget what God had done in their life. Yeah. And so, so we have rocks of remembrance. We even take communion as a remembrance because without it, it doesn't save us, but without that, we would lose sight of the internal spiritual reality of our lives. Mm. And the same with baptism. That it's, it's the first step of obedience. Well, I've never, I, I've never read my Bible before, but you've been baptized. You've already said yes to Jesus by faith for salvation and you said yes to Jesus on this peculiar different kind of act. Yeah. that it it it's uh, in, instead of a membership class it, it it baptizes you into a body that we've all done it. We've all drink of the one spirit as we were talking about uh, in 1st Corinthians 12. So we've all done that, but it's that first step of obedience that you can at least do that. Mhm. And your baptism publicly declares Christ. I can never share with Christ with anybody. You just shared with the congregation of believers that celebrated. You've done that. Mm-hmm. Like that's those, it's almost those like little lobs just to get, hey, I made contact with the baseball bat and the ball. Like it went two
0: feet, but yeah, I made contact. I made it.
1: Yeah. Like I never thought I'd be able to do that, but I've done that. Yeah. You know, and so that's, so for me, you know, might be splitting hairs and, and that's such an oxymoron for a bald guy, but <laughs> I wasn't going to, you were, I saw it in your eyes, <laughs> but, but it, if you're not watching, the,
0: Nick is bald. Yeah.
1: Like, and for some people that might be the rock of remembrance. Mm. So when life gets heavy, their doubts start creeping into their heart and their mind and they're, and they're wondering and they're processing. No, I've, I've put my faith in Jesus and I've been baptized like there there that's a rock of remembrance that like that can that can be a foundation mm-hmm. for us that we don't fall further from that. Yep. And so like for me one of those things is the uh historicity and the reliability of the New Testament. Like is God who he truly says he is and it's like I know I can take God's word because the New Testament is reliable. It is accurate. It is. And I defend that. That, that has become a rock that I won't go lower than that. My foundation yeah. is there. And so for a new believer, they, th- what is that thing? There it is. Be baptized. Like allow that to work in your life. Not for salvation. You've already been saved. But it follows your forgiveness. But I think it's an external thing to, to help us understand that we are new in Christ. Yeah. Like how many times? Like be honest, okay, be honest. How many times do you ever get dressed up and you just feel good? Like you look in the mirror and it's like,
0: I'm, 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 my wife
1: is lucky. Like dang, she hit jackpot.
0: Um, definitely before I had kids, that's for sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm not even <laughs> you the one just that let had yourself kids. Go after two girls, uh, okay. The father figure. But is you, like, you ever you ever get dressed
1: up and you just feel good? There's something about it, and you almost I, yeah, yeah.
0: I remember cold times are just like, dang, yeah.
1: And, and, and in a sense you almost because of that it's not an outer body experience or something like that but it's just super motivating yeah like and so i think in baptism there's a there's an identity in that as well yeah. like i've been baptized that is that outward thing that I can look at. Like I have a picture, I'm a double dunker, like a good Oreo, right? Mm. But I have a picture of my second baptism with the, with my pastor, Tom Savage. And like, that's something I can go back and I can look at and that like, I'm, I'm different. I've been changed. I've stepped out in that faith. Like there's something about that, that I'm I'm clothed in Christ. There's just, it's just something different than the normal every day. It wasn't just a light decision because yeah. most churches, um, we you got to meet with the pastor. It's a it's a pretty good ceremony. We celebrate it like that. It, it wasn't insignificant. Baptism isn't insignificant. It's very significant. It's very huge, and and I think we have that for an internal defense against fear, doubt, mm. second guessing, questioning. So, um, but yeah, definitely doesn't save us. We know Romans. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So if, if, if it was required by the law to be saved, then, then we wouldn't be justified apart from the works. We're justified by faith alone. And the same thing, John three sixteen. we love it. it. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, in, in him it believes in him, not believes in baptized, God's love of the word that gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him. And so the key is always belief. And that's why I say that's our first step of faith. Baptism's our first step of obedience. But there's kind of another obscure verse. Go to First Peter. Uh, I love obscurity. I love it too. Isn't it fun? I love it. And old Peter, he said a few things that just make us scratched our heads. In his
0: incredibly short books. Yes. Oh, I know, right?
1: <laughs> so 1 Peter 3. Where are we at? Here we oh, go. Oh, wives
0: and husbands. Here we go.
1: Amen. Ver, uh, skip down. So let's start in verse 18. Oh, boy. Yeah. For for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Peter just dropped a bombshell where did Jesus go for three days in which he proclaimed to the spirits in prison? Like what the whole lot there have fun reading that verse 21. So he's connecting. He has a little bit of Noah's Ark here in which a few eight persons. So they were brought safely through water. So 21 baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus, who has gone into the heaven, is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers, having been subjected to him. So even Peter would say, baptism now saves you. And people that use, that hold to the stance, well, yeah, Peter said it there in Acts 2. Now he's saying it again here in First Peter. Absolutely, bat- baptism saves you. But is that really what he's saying? These are some of the verses that are used to try to defend that, and so we need to be able to look at it. But look at what he says. Now, so verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body. So he's not talking about the physical act of baptism. Right? Because he's not talking about the removal of dirt from the body. Like like you go take a bath, you dunk yourself in water, it's gonna remove dirt from you, right? Hopefully. But he's talking about the appeal to God of a good conscience. So what Peter's actually addressing is what baptism represents. And we talked about that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We have a reverence for baptism for what it represents, not because it's water. We we have a reverence for communion for what it represents not because what it is, not for what it is. And Peter's actually saying the exact same thing. It's not the actual act of removal of dirt or being dunked, but what it represents. Scripture's always been about this. Think of the old Testament and sacrifices. What did the sacrifice of the, the bull on the day of atonement and its blood being sprinkled? What did that, did the, the sacrifice of that bull, did that save Israel? Mm Hmm. No, it was what it represented. It was the outward testimony, the outward expression of the inward reality that they've put their faith in God. And the righteous man shall live by faith, Habakkuk 2, 4 and Romans 1. And so an act of baptism, it's not that the act of baptism saves you. It's the act, the the internal reality that you've put your faith in God, and now this is just your outward testimony of it. Mm Mm-hmm. That bull doesn't save you. It was an outward testimony of, you know, you're putting your faith in God. And if he has called upon me to offer these sacrifices, because in the same way, when God says, I don't want the blood of bulls and goats, I want your heart. Which just and happens that's, to pump blood. yeah, <laughs> And that's where, so that's where the, the Jews got it wrong because they were thinking it was all about carrying out the works of the law. The law could not save us. The law merely pointed that we needed a Savior. Mm-hmm. And so so the same thing that Paul is, or Paul, keep saying that, Peter is saying here, the baptism, he's he's referencing the reality of it, not the actual representation of baptism. Okay. That, that would be the difference. Baptism now saves you. And he's not referencing the outward expression. He's referencing, no, you've surrendered your life to Christ. You, you know, So when we talk about, on Sunday, we talked about that outward expression of an inward reality. What's that inward reality? That you have been born again, new life, raised up out of the water. just like Christ raised up out of the grave. Like you have been baptized by the spirit of the spirit of new birth and rebirth. Like that's, yeah. that's what he's saying that saves us, not the actual act. Because he even says it's not through a removal of dirt. You do, you know, no, you dunk yourself a hundred times. That doesn't make you saved. I mean, how many people take baths? Just because they removed dirt from their body doesn't mean that they're saved, but we're saved by faith. Mm. It has been our faith and our trust in Christ. That is what saves us. So, so for us, it's an outward expression, inward reality. We we couple couple key verses that people use to defend that baptism is necessary for salvation. And I would I would agree with them if they would change one word. Baptism is necessary for obedience. Not for salvation. Yeah. That that's all I would say. And so, oh, could you not live a life fully obedient to Christ if you're not baptized? No, because we're called to do it. He, there, there is an expectation from Jesus, from the Great Commission, that all disciples would be baptized. And again, I think it would be a peculiar thing to Peter or Paul uh, and Mary and no, sorry, oh. uh, <laughs> Peter, Paul, and Mary, and the Magic Dragon. Oh, oh. Yeah, I gotta include <laughs> it now. <laughs> I'd include it now. (laughs) We lost it. Uh, I think it'd be a peculiar thing to see such a gap or whatever, uh, between salvation and an act of baptism. So, um, so yeah, there'd be baptisms. You got a lot going on in your brain. I can just see it.
0: No, the only thing that I'm, I'm processing and thinking Mm -hmm. through is because I've grown up in a black and white culture. Um, so to not be baptized, uh, Let's let's assume, which yeah. I know I'm doing wrongly, but yeah. let's assume that everyone agrees uh, that that baptism is not a part of salvation. Correct. So let's just make yeah. that assumption. That, that's us for account. everybody. Yeah. Like that is mm-hmm. us, but yep. everybody even listening. Yep. So then my mind goes to um, if I'm being disobedient, that's mm-hmm. sin. That is sin. So where I think the American Church predominantly has made baptism this lackadaisical it's not a big deal where scripture never says mm, that we've adopted right. that from culture yeah. yep. and yep. Um, <clears throat> that puts a whole different twist and perspective on it so we've now elevated it not to the level of salvation mm-hmm. but we're not dropping it to the level of Correct. it's just yep. this thing it's We've missed the in-between. Yes. We yes. swung the yes. pendulum wildly. Because
1: we're so worried that people are going to think, oh, you think you need to be baptized to be saved. No, that's heretical. Yeah, There's a difference between being heretical mm. and disobedient.
0: Yeah, the Bible's pretty clear on yeah, being heretical. exactly
1: Like, no, we are saved by grace through faith alone. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you can't add anything to salvation. It's not, you know, uh, faith and works. It's not faith or works. It's a faith that works. Yeah. And our first act of work of obedience is to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And and so I think we have. We diluted baptism so much because we, we don't want the fear of, of having to defend, mm-hmm. oh well, you think you need to be baptized to be saved? No, then why do you put such an importance on it? Because Jesus did. It is important. I mean, and even I mean, go down that rabbit trail just for like two seconds. The guy who is completely perfect is baptized. Why? Because he sure as heck didn't need it. He didn't need it. He had no outward expression of this inward reality of becoming saved or he anything like that. He was the reality. He used it to show that they was identifying with sinful humanity. Mm. And so we use it to identify ourselves with Christ. Mm. So so if you are listening to this and you are a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, identify yourself with Christ. Everybody's so worried about what the mark of the beast is and I don't want to take it because I don't want to be identified with, the, with Satan. Well, then identify yourself with Christ. Mm. And the easiest first way to do that is to be baptized. baptized. Now, there's going to be other ways Suck. that you're going to do that, but identify yourself with Christ. There it is. If Jesus did it, how in the world do you think you could sit on the sidelines and think, I don't need to? Mm. Chew on that one. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> and, and the other thing is, So then, you know, we talk about the great commandment and the great commission, some of the two greatest things that Jesus tells us to do. And if one of those is to, as we are going, preach the gospel, Mm -hmm. right, make disciples, that's a, that's actually a better biblical, as we are going, so go as in the command, it's as you are going, make disciples, it really just means disciple, as you are going, disciple the nations and baptize them and teaching them to observe everything everything that I have commanded. And it's like, and so, so for us to, you know, and every church would say this, regardless of their stance on baptism, they would say, yes, we need to make disciples. Mm -hmm. Okay. How can a disciple make a disciple if a disciple doesn't want to be baptized? Because why would he share that? You know what I mean? Here we go. (laughs) Two weeks in a row. (laughs) So for somebody to say, oh yeah, I want to go make disciples. Have you been baptized? No. Then, then you really don't want to
0: make disciples then so let's poke the beast poke it that uh if you would ascribe to that uh, thought process Mm -hmm. would be very hypocritical
1: yeah that's so to make disciples without like you there has been times where yeah you can't give what you don't have so to baptize someone you need to be baptized yourself to be a disciple of christ you need to be a disciple to make a disciple of christ you need to be a disciple of christ Mm -hmm. You know, to share the gospel is one who holds to the gospel. That all makes sense. And so we get to baptism.
0: And then it's the wild, wild west. Oh,
1: it's, oh, you don't need to. Or, you know, it, we go all over the place about it. And it's like, no, this, it. I, I fully believe this is something that Jesus expects from us. So walk in it, you know, allow, allow him to, to change and create in you, whatever, whatever. And again, every time we step in obedience, I believe there's blessing on the other side of that. Mm. And so we don't, we don't walk in obedience, um, uh, merely for the blessing, right? Kind of like Israel. We were just talking about this. It's crazy how it fits. Israel, uh, we don't need to be so more focused on the promised land, but the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't walk in obedience for the blessing, even though that is there. I walk in obedience because it brings me near to God yeah. that I want the, a proximity to Jesus. And I want that as close as possible. And that is the blessing, you know, and anything else is an overflow of that, but being close to Jesus is the blessing. And so like, see if he is not faithful that, Oh, wh- what's it going to matter? What's it going to change? What's that going to do in me? Ye of little faith. Mm don't let that lack of doubt, not doubt of salvation, but doubt of obedience. So, so then take that and and keep walking that thought out. Okay. So if we don't need to walk in obedience to baptism, then we don't need to walk in obedience to reading the word.
0: And now we're just untying the absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Because if we can say no to the littlest thing,
0: will definitely find a way to say no to everything else. To, to, to
1: everything else that's going to be more hard and more difficult and take more time and energy and, you know, like that's that's what's crazy. In in the same way, like that's why baptism usually is a, a one-time kind of thing. I'm a double dunker because, you know, I'm special. No, um, <laughs> I was nine, and I honestly like uh, Jerry Boaz, First Baptist Church, Torrey, Kansas, mm-hmm. wonderful pastor, love him, uh, still alive actually. Uh, he got remarried. Oh yeah. Yeah, his wife died of cancer. Wonderful lady. Loved her so much. He got remarried. His name's Jerry Boaz. You know what his wife's new wife, his second wife's name is? What is it? R- Ruth. No, it's yeah. not. Yep. I love it. So Boaz got That marriage Ruth. was uh, ordained uh, by yes, the Lord. So um, but he he baptized me when I was nine, and my older brother got baptized then. And and I, I have the Bible still that they gave me when I got baptized. So I have the date on there. I don't remember it being the significance of that. Not because he did something wrong, not that my grandparents did anything wrong, not that the church was doing anything wrong. For me, I I fully believe this is on me. Mm -hmm. I was going through the motions because I was a little brother. Yeah. And so when I got older and I was in my young 20s, talking to my pastor at the time, Cornerstone Community Church, Harrisonville, Missouri, Tom Savage, and I was telling him about this and it's like, baptism for me, like now that I'm like, I just, it, it wasn't, it didn't have that significance
0: for me. It wasn't a big deal. It
1: wasn't, it was me just doing, oh, my brother's doing that. Of course I'm going to do that. I mean, he could have shaved his head bald and I would have done that because I was the little brother. My brother could have done anything and I was going to do that because he was the older brother. And, and so now that I was a, a man and my faith was my own and I understood what baptism is, I was like, For the true understanding, I've never done that. Mm -hmm. And some pastors, and he said this, he goes, some pastors would just try to remind you what you did at nine. He goes, I would rather just baptize you.
0: I'm Mm. like, let's
1: go. You would do that? Yes. And so so I have the Bible of my first baptism and I have a a certificate with a picture of my second one. And that's more what I hold. That's when I gave my life to Christ. That's when that's when I truly made my faith my own is when I was in my early 20s, became saved, and then the act of baptism for that. And so baptism's really supposed to be that one-time thing that we can always go back to, that rock of remembrance of salvation, right? But isn't it unique that but communion is the thing that we continually do? Mm. That's the remembrance to bring us back to, to our salvation as well, so that we can always look at our life and say, hey, I have, I've repented, Confessed, put my faith in Christ, I've been saved, I've been baptized. There's that there's that one act of it. But the continued the, what, 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 the continual on? The continualness of our life, continuality is the what continuation? I was say. The continuation. There yeah. we go. I love just making up words. But the <sighs> continuation of our Christian life, communion is to remember the body and the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of it. Where we don't continually be baptized, hmm. we continually
0: take communion. I mean, you don't. I yeah. I, I get baptized once yeah. a month. I just yeah. want to.
1: And nor is communion the thing that you only take once and that's it. No, there's. I think I think the Lord knew what He was doing for that because mm-hmm. how many times do we do we have doubts about our salvation? Am I truly saved? Go back to your salvation moment and your baptism. Have that as
0: a solid. Hey, I have been saved. Here's that one time event. Because if we go to the New Testament where those were so closely tied together, yes, salvation, baptism, yep. And then the—I the, the uh, I don't want to say it this way. Say it that the, way, baby. The process—not yep. the formula, but the process of the continual taking mm-hmm. and remembering points back yes. to that moment. The problem is, in, in the more modern Church, is we've made salvation a moment, and then further down the line, we've made baptism a moment. Yep. And then we remember, instead of pointing back to— one thing. one thing. It's they almost seem yes. too independent. Yeah.
1: Yep. Mm. And and that's where it puts us in obscurity a little bit.
0: I love that I went to Bible college. <laughs> I just tell you how excited yeah. I am when I went to Bible college and no. Told and it.
1: some <laughs> people might think, Nick, I think you're 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 going too far down that rabbit trail. But I just always come back to scripture and it's just like I just don't see that though. Yeah. You know, like and it,
0: and it does change the 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 re-elevation of importance from it's not just something we do. It's not this. Do it if you want to. Don't do it. There is significance and importance, but we're not going to elevate it and put it on the same plane as salvation and say these two things go together, Mm. that you are not saved until the completed work of baptism.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you brought it up. Uh oh. So let's let's just dive yeah. into it because because you got. talked about let's transition to communion because you talked about that.
1: Oh okay yeah yeah
0: yeah baptism because we did take communion on Sunday yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so we did and communion. there are some and some, there's some other mm-hmm.
1: differing views or whatever and I think it was your wife that's like on the podcast talk about communion
0: versus the Eucharist. So my which... wife's family grew up Catholic. Oh did they? Mm-hmm. My wife's uh, my mother-in-law grew up Catholic. Does she listen to the podcast? Every week. Does she really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love you, Mom. Yep. So here we go. All right. So, but it boom. is interesting because if you find yourself in a Protestant believing uh, circle, call it. Uh, I could almost bet my life that that is not the verbiage that you hear used when we come to communion. Yeah. And there there's a reason. There's a reason. <sighs> well, so let's dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. Part one and a half of
1: the breakdown. So going back to that sacraments, mm-hmm. uh, Catholics would hold to seven. The Eucharist would be one. They wouldn't use the term communion. They would mm-hmm. use the term Eucharist, which is a reference to the body and the blood of Jesus. They also believe in transubstantiation. Yes, they do. Yep. Nice big fancy word there mm-hmm. that we'll break down. And so, and so, understanding to them, sacraments are a means of grace. Mm-hmm. Means that those seven sacraments would be required unto salvation. Well, then I'm out. (laughs) So, in the same thing, baptism and communion, they would say are required for salvation. For salvation. Now, here's the hard part. And this is where, this is one of those I want to tread lightly because, um, Just like in, in anything, there's a lot of, of the spectrum. Like back in the day, you said Baptist. Baptist meant this. Lutheran does, meant yep. this. And now it's there's just such a spectrum
0: with any denomination. It's almost like each denomination has its subculture. Yes. So you had, used to, you had Baptists, Catholics, mm. Lutherans, yeah. and Methodists.
1: And so I'm going to bring up a few things that, that are, are, if we are talking about hardcore Catholicism... Mm-hmm. This is, this is like wherever you're at on the spectrum within your Catholic faith, the core of it comes out of this. And mm-hmm. some would say, yes, amen. You, you are articulating I correctly. Hope very tightly to the, yep. And I honestly would probably tick off a few Catholics that would say, that's not true. I don't believe that, mm-hmm. but the core of your faith would be okay. And, and like the council of Trent, which mm-hmm. we know is a big deal because of the Protestant reformation, different things like that. And there's been a couple other councils and we could, you know, Bring Council out the big yeah, uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, when they when they kind of articulated delineated these seven sacraments they also talked about those that did not hold this would be anathema excommunicated excommunicated And so, even reading, we need to start
0: practicing that ministry more often. Oh my
1: goodness! Yeah, which would be not a a a blessing upon someone, but it would be a curse upon them and an anathema. And so, it's that's the struggle a little bit. Where for me as a Protestant, you know, like okay, if another church says um, this or that, like I'm not going to anathema them or excommunicate them or curse them, but but Catholics. The core would say, because I wasn't baptized as a baby, I'm anathema, mm. or because that I hold to the communion is strictly and merely symbolic, I'm anathema, and so that's where I want to tread lightly because that can be that can be uh, kind of hard to hear on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some Catholics that would be like, I didn't know that, and and even hopefully maybe they're their priest might say, Oh, we haven't done anathemas for a while. And it's like, ah, but it's still there. It, it is. It is still there. Yes. And so, so for us, we say communion <coughs> Catholic would say a Eucharist and that's between the Catholic Luke, Lutheran and, and any other Protestant, that's where we're going to have our three different kinds of views of what communion mm-hmm. is. That's why I'm, I'm not picking on the Catholics. I'm just saying, these are where we're going to the different views. And most of us have Catholic friends. We, we know somebody that's Catholic. We have a, Probably have of a Catholic, Catholic fan yeah. member. Yeah. And and honestly, talk to them. Ask them. And in some ways, you'll see maybe how much they really know. Or sometimes they're like, I didn't even know that. like, Yeah. Cause and again, uh, the Catholic faith um, sometimes can be very traditional. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're Catholics because that's what we are. Just like the Jewish faith was that way. Like our, our friend Shmuel that came oh, at Christmas. Yeah, he was like, yeah. A lot of people consider themselves Jewish because of their heritage, not because of their faith. And sometimes that happens even in yeah, the yeah. You're faith. talking about
0: heritage Jews. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah, and so so you you sometimes you'll have. Heritage Catholics and oh yeah, our family's Catholic. That's what we do. But if you really kind of poked into their their beliefs, they actually wouldn't hold to a Catholic faith. That's just what we
0: do. Can we have heritage Christians?
1: Oh, Amen. Okay, I just, Amen. Because I felt like we should that. and could, but I just that's what we do. We go to church on Sundays and we Eastern Christmas. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. We, yeah, okay, absolutely. We could have heritage Christians. So we're all guilty of it. Yep. So we're not poking and prodding on any of them. Um, just saying that within the Catholic faith. They believe in the Eucharist. Yep. And the big fancy word that you used, transubstantiation. 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 Yep. Isn't that what I said? No. Not at all. There we go. It's a long word. How many letters is in that? A few. <laughs> so that is what that means for to the Catholic. They would see uh, the bread and the wine. Yeah, because they use wine. And once the priest would pray over it, blessed. It is blessed, which means there would be a conversion of the whole substance of the bread and wine. And that's key for the next thing that we'll talk about. And there would be a conversion of the whole substance of the bread and wine into the substance of the body and the blood of Jesus. So they would believe that at that moment of blessing, it it literally is transformed, transformed is the key word, into the body and the blood of Jesus. Yep transubstantiation yep yeah that's what i said guy that's not what you said the first time i know it's not <laughs> i know it's not hey you uh because these aren't words i use in my everyday uh verbiage i let's just talk about it like i had to google and youtube like how do you pronounce this well plus some of these words like that uh i don't do listen i went to in... a lutheran <laughs> private school growing up i <laughs> you, oh, so i got you it know covered <laughs> right so um and so because of that now let's talk about that so if if these elements now are the body and the blood of Jesus, thus Catholics believe it is appropriate to worship, to venerate through the worship of uh, Latia or something like that. Um, and so it's a it's a form of worship, of veneration of the consecrated elements mm-hmm. as God. Mm-hmm. So it's not only, oh, we believe it becomes the body and blood of Jesus. They worship. Mm-hmm the
0: elements of of the Eucharist as well, because that is the body of the And if you've Jesus. never been to any sort of Catholic service where yeah. they would take the Eucharist it is an incredibly ornate mm. long process. Yes. It's a long process for us here at Calvary yeah. because we have to get everybody out of their seats <laughs> and, and move around yeah. in a very small room. Yeah. But uh you go to you, you go to any sort of catholic service and and just that like for me i i was baffled. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point of like am i doing something wrong? This yeah. is taking way too long.
1: And you can only take uh, the Eucharist if you've been, if you are a part of the church. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that means like baptized, um, and then I think even confirmation, but I could be wrong on that because again, um, I would, I would, I could be wrong on that. But there, there is a certain. I know like,
0: I've seen kids take, and you don't do confirmation until. Oh, okay.
1: What I know is I can't take communion in a Catholic church. We went to mass for. Um, family. We have some extended yeah, yeah. family that there was a funeral. So we had a funeral mass and they took communion and, and I had to sit there. I did too. And that was really hard for my kids. And like, I'm just going to call it how it is. Okay. Just, just go, go with me here. I absolutely love the Lord. I was, I was moved just being in the church. I loved the reverence that they had even for the building. It's absolutely. beautiful. Absolutely. Like, like you can't tell me that they don't take church serious and and nor would i ever want to slap down a priest because we believe differently like uh, you want to tell me you want to find some of the most faithful people
0: oh 100 percent. every
1: church has their issues and i know the catholic Mm -hmm. church and priest and there's all the jokes and i hate that for them but you know you want to talk about some of the faithful and what they surrender and give up to be priests because they can't be married and whole another slew of topics Um, but we're sitting there and and i love the lord i love his word like and, and nor is my Bible knowledge make, but I, I would consider myself a mature, faithful believer. You would hope that the lead pastor of a church would be there. Have I arrived? No. Is God still doing a work in my life? Yes. Okay. Like, don't go there. No pride, no ego, just, and I had to sit there and I couldn't take communion mm-hmm. at someone who I love dearly at their mass, mm-hmm. but other family members who I know, Mm. At least the fruit of their lives is not. Yeah. Yep. I can't judge hearts. The Lord can, but I have seen n- not little fruit. I've seen nope. no fruit, yep. nor even a, a heart of confession, repentance, salvation, nothing, but because they were brought up in that tradition, then they go forward. They can take their allowed, and you're not. And, and my kids struggled with that.
0: Cause they know the lifestyle. Got Gotcha
1: because they know the lifestyle they they could make not a full understanding but at least an assumption like a, a very educated yep. probably right assumption of their heart because of their fruit and even just things that they say and have done yeah. and da, da, da. i mean and then they look at me knowing my heart my life the fruit of my life and you can't take communion
0: not here I've always wondered what would happen. This is where my mind goes while I'm sitting there yeah. doing nothing. Like, what happens when I walk up and, like, yeah, that's where my mind goes. I I w-
1: I wish there, I wish I had, uh, I, I don't, I've never, more than a small conversation uh, with a priest we were doing, uh, they had, like, a clergy day mm-hmm. at the uh, Air Force Base near my hometown. Yeah. And they had a clergy day. So all of us came over there, and we were Protestants, we were... Catholics, we were all we were just a smorgasbord of just holiness, right? And we all got on a plane. I thought if any plane's not going to go down, this is the one. Hopefully, the prayer life of this <laughs> one's not going to go down. But there, there was a there was a priest who so we had to be, get bust out to the plane, and he's sitting there, and he's like, "Hey, where are you from?" And I said, "From Grace." And and he talked about. They have a. uh, We used to do a 5K Mm -hmm. run, and it would raise money uh, for a Catholic organization that was very pro life. And he said, I just hate how, <laughs> and he meant this in a very good yeah, way. Yeah. He's like, I, I love that you guys are doing that, but it, it for me, I just wish I could get more of the Catholic church involved. It's like, you know, it's like he didn't want the Protestants outdoing him and being pro-life <laughs> or whatever, you know, so it is good. But uh, you know, I even looked down at his wallet and he had his phone wallet type of a combo. And there's a picture of mother Mary, mm. you know, and that's a whole nother conversation we'd have, but you know, th- like that's the closest I've ever had of a conversation, but I wish I had, a, a priest, and so hey, if you're listening, or if you know a priest that would like, dude, would love us to get coffee Sitting and talk, it, yeah. and just being
0: like, so if I walked into your church, you would let me take communion, because I know even and, from what I was like, even in in school, yeah, you know, doing yeah. Catholicism as a whole has massively <laughs> changed and shifted yeah. from what we would think when we think of Catholicism, yeah. we we are most of the time thinking of old school mm-hmm. Catholics like early 60s, 70s. Yes. And before. Yeah. Um, and you can probably go into the 80s. Mm-hmm. But then late 90s, 2000, as... There's a shift. There's a shift. I would, I would say and, yes to that. In some ways, trying to walk away, even like what you said, s- some very public missteps by the Catholic Church, um, so, you know, all the way from the Pope, Mm-hmm. Making declarations about things that yeah. just absolutely kind of shocked the world, as oh, yeah. you know. So, but even in that, like it would be interesting to sit down and say, yeah. like, "Hey," in a non not in a non confrontational way, but just in a like, "Yeah, let's sit across from the table." Can I just want to ask you these questions because in
1: regard to the sacraments, like that, the struggle I have because I do believe there has been a shift. Like, I have a, a very near dear uh, family member who attends Catholic church, and I believe she is absolutely saved. Um, and we've had those conversations, and she, for her, she just feels more comfortable in uh, the Catholic Church. But she loves when, when she's here,
0: she loves our church, dude. If you love a liturgical style yeah. service, Amen. Which, I there's something about it. There, and I like the. I mean, it's part of my job. Yeah. I yeah. like the part of production. But I, there's been times where I found myself in a very uh, liturgical service. Mm-hmm. There's something holy and reverent. You you find a, a a book
1: of written prayers where you think like, Oh really? We're gonna we're gonna quote written mm-hmm. prayers? Like uh, think about when you sat down and wrote a love letter to your girlfriend in middle school. You you contemplated every word, and you wanted every word to bring such significance and meaning. Yeah, you didn't I wrote it walk... out, and then I went and picked up a thesaurus and yeah, rewrote it. Yeah, you didn't just it walk up to it. didn't make any sense. A... Yeah, and how many times do we just walk <laughs> up to our blubbering girlfriends and just, uh, you, your eyes are pretty, you know, we say, it's like... For me, it's the same You're thing. You're hot. Like, yeah. That's what, <laughs> so sometimes when I'm just like, now, of course, this is talking to God, but if we really want to sit down and have a l- and raise the level of written prayer, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like we can't bash that and say, oh no, the only way to pray is verbally and on the cuff, shooting from the hip. No, it's, y- you could either or, but you read some of those and it's like, Ooh, that was worded very well. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have that outside of some of these liturgical written yeah. prayers, stuff like that. So so the, the the person in my life that I care for and love deeply who uh, attends Catholic church would even say like um, she has noticed from a younger Catholic church to now like they used to be like shift and change, shift change, even yep. in, in their study of the word of God. Now they're doing Bible studies and she loves it. and It's so good. Um, but what's hard in and, and regard to like what the Pope says and looking at some of these, like where does doctrine come from in the Catholic Church, they would believe that whenever the Pope speaks from his chair, that has equal, mm-hmm. if not slightly a greater authority than the Word of God. And so when we're saying these things that the core of the Catholic church would say, if you don't hold to these sacraments you're anathema, those were statements made from the, that apostolic authority. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the difficulty. And so if that was said before in the, whatever, hundreds or eighties or nineties, whatever it would be like, they're still true today. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a whole nother issue. We could get into that, but like, so that is yeah. kind of hard. And that's where I wish I could sit down with a, a priest that, you know, that drinks coffee and just says, Hey, you know, like hel- help me understand yeah. where, where are we different? Where like, how do you defend that? And, and so I could, and then I could push on a little bit, and then he could push on me. I think it would be sharper in that. Not that I'm trying to convert a priest or that I'm looking um, to to go into the priesthood. Even though my wife drives me nuts some days. No. <laughs> See, that's a question I don't know. Could I become a priest? Uh. Uh-uh. I don't think you could. Wow. Because I'm married. Because you're married. Oh. And I'm a heathen, probably. So, um, so that's that. That would be a a broad brush. Yeah. Yeah. Catholic view of the Eucharist, and then there's then there's the
0: Lutheran view, which you uh, said you
1: grew up in a, a Lutheran church, and so oh right. yeah, I
0: I grew up in a private school. All right, say the say the T word
1: transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. That's where I mess it up is in the stand because then there's consubstantiation, mm-hmm. and that means and so take uh, uh, th- where a Catholic would believe that the substance of bread and wine are transformed to the substance of the body and blood of Jesus. Uh, the Lutheran view of consubstantiation would say that the substance of the bread and wine coexists mm-hmm. with the substance of the body
0: and so blood So we de-elevate Jesus. it from the actual Just, body and blood, yeah. but it's not symbolic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, And some of the issues uh, that I was reading through that it was like, you know, that's a good thought. You know, uh, that's very hard empirically. Because when if, the, if you're at the Catholic Church and when I saw Mass, it still looked like bread and wine. It didn't change. Yeah, but if you'd gone up, you'd see that it's what, what it, You know, it, it would, <laughs> Oh, okay, that is flesh now. Uh, and then it's like, it, then there's the whole, is this cannibalism then? Oh,
0: gosh. I mean, it's true. I love this show because... We can be so serious and talk about biblical things, and then your mind's like,
1: so are they cannibal? But if it if it really is the body and the blood of Jesus.
0: I don't think you offended any Catholic until that moment right there. Like, they were going with you because you were nice about it, and now you're like, absolutely not.
1: That was actually one of the points in, my, <laughs> in a response to the Catholic view of you. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah it's a... There there would be a, a truth to that. So if it really I mean it's is, funny, but
0: you have to it's and, the tension you have to sit in, like
1: And how many times through scripture are we told not to eat people? <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of a I can think of m- once. Yeah. So 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 there's that. You know, there's some different things. Um but going more with the miracle and the transforming of it, um, there's there's n- miracles were very outward expressed and you could see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so a Catholic would say, because of that transformation, that miracle happens every mass that mm-hmm. happens. it's like, miracles are miracles because they're rare.
0: Not because they happen almost scheduled. Yeah. yeah. But it would be awesome if we could schedule and miracles. And nor
1: does man dictate dictate miracles. Yeah. And so there's just a few things there, and so and then then there's that Lutheran view, and I didn't read a whole lot just to this coexisting of it, but you know, hey, where does where does some of that uh, Catholic view, even a Lutheran view, where does that come from? And obviously, John six is a key a key passage um, that is used because we all know that you know on the night that he was betrayed, this is my body, this is my blood, um, and and that's where hey we we read the Bible literally, but that doesn't mean everything is taken literally. Mm. You know, so like if I say, hey, my grandma kicked the bucket.
0: She didn't go outside and kick a bucket. <laughs> yeah. She kicked a bucket and then fell over and died.
1: And then <laughs> fell over and died. Yeah, <laughs> so she kicked a bucket, kicking the bucket.
0: <laughs> right,
1: so That's like, so, so Jesus uses a lot of figurative speech and, and symbolism and different things like that. And we have to understand when he's done that and when he hasn't done it. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's some clues in it. So John 6, um I'm in John 5. Sorry. John six. I'm getting there. Turn two pages. John six is long. Here we go. All right. So a couple things that we need to see because okay, Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what we're talking mm-hmm. about. He does say that. And and I believe the Catholics would Uh, and and possibly even Lutherans would take that literal, but also Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Well, yeah, literally, like we need to eat, okay. He also says, I am the tree. Mm. I am the vine. Mm -hmm. I am the sheep gate. There was was seven I am statements Mm -hmm. that Jesus made, but we don't take any of the other ones that literal. We're not looking at Jesus as a real vine, but he calls himself the true vine because he's trying to teach something right? And, and it's key to understand like, so you can't just drop down to the, uh, pretty much the end part of John six and say, okay, he, he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. You have to know where he's going for. So we're going to jump all the way back up and we're going to be kind of skimming a little bit, but verse 35. And so he's talking about bread from heaven and they, and you know, these people are like, well, sir, give us this bread. Verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life and whoever comes to me shall not hunger and Shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So, if we come to Jesus and believe in Him, we're never going to hunger. We're never going to thirst. That is the clear teaching there, right? Um, But I said to you that you have not that you who have seen me and not believe, and all that the Father gives me, I will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Amen. We love that. In verse forty, this is the will of my Father, right? So we want to understand the will of God. Here we go. This is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the sun, believes in him, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So that is good, straightforward, take it literal. What is the will of God that we would look to Jesus, believe in him, and we would be saved. We'll have eternal life. And on the last day, he's going to raise us up. Waiting for that That's last Christianity day, Christianity right there. Raise me up. Let's go. Here's the key, verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They didn't grumble on the belief. They were Mm. grumbling on the bread of heaven because they're going back to the Old Testament thinking of manna, literal bread. Now (laughs) he's this. And so they're saying is, you know, so the first thing, so they're grumbling is, is this not Jesus? Like, dude, we know your mom and dad, like, what are you talking about? How can you say you've come down out of heaven? So he was talking figurative in that. And he says, Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. So we have to understand that Jesus is in an argument and they're grumbling against him. So every time Jesus uses like figurative speech, he never lessens it. He's always going to take it greater. Mm-hmm. And especially when people argued with Jesus and they're grumbling against him, he'll tick you off. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll take the thing that you are frustrated about and he's going to elevate it. And that's what he does here, right? And so let's keep going down. So verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness. They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So he's going to give his flesh, that bread uh, for life for the world is his flesh, which fits very well with John three mm-hmm. sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like Jesus knows he's going to give up his body on the cross, and that's going to be salvation unto the world by faith, belief in him. Mm-hmm. So all this is good standard Christianity, right? Then the Jews uh, disputed among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So they take it to this cannibalistic kind Mm. of manner. And so a couple things that I wrote, um, you know, Jesus always was strengthening a metaphor. He never weakened it. And it's in the context of Jewish leaders willfully misunderstanding Jesus. So they're picking apart the one, oh, so you think we need to be cannibalists? They're not trying to understand the true meaning of what Jesus says about him being the bread of life and believing in him. They take the metaphor as literal and they want to grumble and dispute with him about it. He's like, oh, you want to go down that Which road? seems to be every story. Yeah. It Here's really the does. one
0: little thing yep. that I'm going to take out of context that yep. just. R- run yeah. to the extreme.
1: I don't care about believing in you, stuff like that. You think we need to actually eat your mm-hmm. flesh and drink your blood? Like, what do you mean we need to eat this? And like, that's where, so then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Did Jesus on, if he truly meant that literally, they should have walked over there and bit down on his forearm and ripped a hunk of flesh off of his arm. Do we honestly believe that's what Jesus meant by that? No. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh drinks my blood, abides in me, and I him. him in the living Father. Sent me, and I live because of the Father, and whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. And this is the bread that came down from heaven, not the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Okay, so... Let's talk about it. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Those are acts of receiving. Mm -hmm. To believe in Jesus is to receive him, his substitutionary atonement, his sacrifice to receive his righteousness. It is an act of receiving. So the metaphorical language of eating my flesh and drinking my blood, he's not meaning literal. Because then the most obedient thing that somebody could have done is walked over there and literally bit off yeah. a piece of Jesus. There's, And that would, to say, without the miracle of transubstantiation, no one ever could outside of the body, because there's only so much that's, yeah. body of Jesus to go around. Once it's gone, it's gone. Exactly. So, so that's where it's like... Uh, you're starting to stack so much evidence for this idea that we need to eat and drink the blood and the flesh of Jesus. It's like, all right, hold on. Could it possibly mean something else? And so the bread of life is a metaphor bread from heaven, metaphor, living bread, metaphor, bread of God, metaphor. It, so it doesn't surprise us that Jesus extends the bread metaphor to his actual soon to come sacrifice on the cross. That's what he's referencing. So it's, it's already built on a metaphor.
0: And he's just stretching it And he's just time. taking okay, it to gotcha.
1: ro- yeah, right? And that's key to understand because then when you go to, and, and here's the other thing, when they say, oh, this is where he instituted that we need you know, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. This is like year one of his ministry. John tells us that, and it's only in the book of John that we know that his ministry lasted three years mm-hmm. because there was three Passovers. Why does he wait? at least two years before he institutes communion. Then Mm. if he says we need to eat and drink his blood, then why didn't he, then why didn't he say now sit down and I'm going to hand you some bread. I'm going to hand you some wine. I'm going to pray over it. It's going to become my body and my blood. And then you're going to eat and drink of it and you will be saved. Why does he wait two years? He's not instituting communion. He's, he's talking about this metaphor of bread of life and it's all about belief in him. It's never been separate from that. It's just the mm-hmm. willful uh, misunderstanding of the Jews, the Jewish leaders that Jesus says, Oh, you want to go down that road? Let's go. All right. You, <laughs> you, what do what we say to the staff? Uh, you want to, Play stupid games. Oh, win ask stupid, stupid questions. Yeah, yeah it, get stupid answers. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what it would be. And so Play it's like stupid games <clears throat> and stupid because he. So it's almost taking it to that point. And so he says all that, and what happens? They all walk away, and then a lot of the disciples even walk away. They even missed it, and it was only. Uh, I'm believing. I'm just paraphrasing now from memory that the twelve kind of look at him and say, "Dude, Jesus, that's a hard statement." And again, Jesus doesn't lower the bar. He raises it, and he says, if that's too hard, there's the door. You can walk away, too. Mm. But it's always in the literal context of belief in Jesus. That's what it is, to believe in him. Now, he uses very metaphorical, very passionate, overflowing language, talking about bread of life and then but it's they're willful kind of just they keep poking and prodding and he's like all right let's i'll i'll go as far as you want to go
0: because if you take it out of context that um that inflation makes it seem like it's it's important like yeah. for him to go to the degree of the language of in uh 54 mm-hmm. who, uh whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood like that's a <laughs> that's a that's a Brandish so. statement. Yeah. Like that is not that's just not a flippant thing you would say. Like you have to think through that. But it's it's their contextual understanding, which is so key when we talk about coming to scriptures, not cherry picking. And for us here, mm. at Calvary is to have that building upon to know that this is the poke and the prod that continues yeah. to just keep happening. Yeah. Instead of, oh, Okay, yeah. I learned something. I was educated. It's yeah. like, oh, but what about this? Yeah. What? Okay, I'm going to inflate it again. <clears throat> I'm going to inflate it again. Yep. If you're going to keep playing stupid, yep. I'm going to play right along with yeah.
1: you. It's kind of like when you, you know, we've all been in arguments where we're trying to get our main thought across. And we might say something trying to support it and somebody for like – I don't want to talk about the main part that you're, I I want to bring up this little supporting thing that you're like ignoring the main point and like this over here. yeah, Yeah. And I just want to nitpick this small little part and it's like, I mean, you see Jesus like okay, you want to? He just keeps raising the bar. I don't think he was sitting there like, guys, I just want to tell you like eat my flesh, man. Yeah, that's what it needs to be. Yeah, because he knew that. I, I bet he was like angry. Like I bet there was some. And you can you can be angry without sin. And Jesus did. I you know I, I think he was pushing. And it was a hard, intense conversation. Yeah. Instead of like, no, I just want to pet this sheep and live in peace and eat my flesh, drink my blood. No, I think he was saying it too purposely anger and frustrate them because their willful um, uh, disobedience or willful or rejection of what Jesus was truly trying to talk about.
0: And because Jesus knew that. It wasn't yes. uh like, hey, we're trying to teach yeah and I'm just I'm just using whatever I can to get the point across. It's like, no, I know that these mm-hmm. will never yeah. This is the heart. The you know the actions, the overflow of the heart that we're seeing is they're not here for learning yeah. they're not here for understanding they're here to poke the bear yeah. and when jesus says x they're going to go to y yeah. and jesus goes okay i'll see your y and i'll raise you z and yes. we're just going to keep going yes. let's take this as far as you want until they all just disappear cuz none of them are looking at jesus saying
1: like what does that mean to believe in you then like help us understand yeah, that yeah there's no question of that okay so the main point of your of your your talk here has been believing in you like what what's that look like it, and if it was heartfelt open you know, Because, again, to take something that was said in contempt and mm-hmm. make it a core doctrine, I would tread lightly. Mm-hmm. Because he is saying that to the religious elitists that are disputing him, but he doesn't say it to the woman at the well. Mm. He doesn't say it to the woman caught in the act of adultery. He doesn't say it to Lazarus as he's raising him out of the tomb. He doesn't say it to Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree. He doesn't say it to uh Mary you know when she comes to anoint his feet with oil he doesn't say it to the tax collectors and the sinners that he's eating with like so for me it's like understanding even the audience of Jesus mm. and and we and and that's where we have to be careful um it is key to understand who is Jesus talking to at that time yeah and that will help us understand for us a, a that will add a level of interpretation and application
0: for us, because he speaks differently, yes, depending on who he's addressing. Yes, the story of the woman at the well is one of compassion and grace, yes. not of anger and yeah. it, not this, yes, not this. he
1: doesn't say this to Nicodemus, who who is still a religious mm. Jewish leader of the day, he doesn't say it to Nicodemus. And so when when you walk through all of that, and it's like, so why did he say that to them? Well, when you look at that, that willful just uh, misunderstanding, like they wanted to fight, and Jesus, hey, you want to fight? Let's swing, baby. I'll be your huckleberry. That's <laughs> biblical, right there. Tombstone. <laughs> Jesus just tombstoned them, literally. I'll be here, Huckleberry. You want to go that direction? Come on. And and there's other times that, again, we have, I think, at times in the church, we have the wrong view of Jesus. I think sometimes he just wanted to go poke the bear. Mm. I think he did things intentionally and willfully because he wanted to poke at the, the religiosity mm. of the Jewish people.
0: He knew if the, he said this, that the religious leaders were going to fight back yes. and say that.
1: Yeah. And it showed their air in the presence of so many that those religious leaders were oppressing. It showed their air in it it affirmed, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm. Instead of blessed are the ones who sit in the high places, who get their greatest seats at banquets, who pray long prayers in public. And no, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's... And I love that about Jesus. And so we can't have this like cute, soft, but we have to understand who is Jesus ticking off?
0: The religious people,
1: the religious leaders. And how many times do we tick off those that are far from Christ instead of those that are misrepresenting Christ? If you want to know, go back and listen to last week's episode. We address that there. There we go. So it's key to understand that Jesus is using this bread of life metaphor, um, and he's building upon it. And this is something that like I've always known, it just how it was worded to me. I was like, oh, ooh, that's good. So we were talking about communion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, during our holy week. Uh, we had Christ and the Passover, mm-hmm. so we had Shmuel. Um, won't give his last name because I just remembered uh, they asked us not to give his name out publicly. So uh, Shemuel, but that's actually a very popular Jewish name. I can name, go so beep. I can bleep it all out. Yeah, there you go. Bleep it out. <laughs> They'd be like, "Did he cuss? Did he cuss? I heard a beep on it." <laughs> we'll no. have to put a disclaimer yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So so we had we had our Jewish friend who led in the Passover meal um, that Jesus would have instituted would have that he did institute communion mm-hmm. from. And, and afterwards we're hanging out, we're talking and he, our guest had a friend that was like from St. Louis that they hadn't seen for a while. So he came too. and we were talking about that and he, he used to work for this organization. So Mm -hmm. we'll cover it a little bit more (laughs) the best we can. And he would do the same presentations and he grew up, uh, his, I believe if I'm remembering his mom was Jewish and his dad was Lutheran. So they really conflicted at communion and he said something that i was just like that that was one of those like why didn't i ever see it it was right there in front of me the whole time and it has clicked he goes to try to make communion to be the literal body and blood of jesus is so far outstretching because the elements that he picked up from the table were already symbolic in nature the Passover meal was already a symbolic meal. It wasn't a literal meal in the sense of what it was representing. So all of the elements of a Passover Seder meal were representing, were symbolic to things that, that God wanted them to remember about the Exodus. It was never meant to be the literal you know, so when they have the, the little bowl of salt water and the, those aren't literal tears, but they are to make you remember mm-hmm. the, the bitterness of it or the bitter herbs or you bite into the horseradish. Why? Because that's going to make you cry. Mm-hmm. And we want to understand the wheat, like all of those things were already symbolic. And so when Jesus reaches down and he grabs bread, that was symbolizing something. He just gives it greater symbolism. The, the cup after supper is always key when you see Jesus in that last supper, and it says after supper he grabbed the cup, because we know that there was four cups, and the third cup was the first one after supper. That was the cup of redemption. Mm-hmm. There was a reason that Jesus waited until that cup. There was a reason that Jesus... Because he had two
0: other cups he could have grabbed.
1: Yeah, or there three other, because he could have done the fourth cup, and that oh, was the cup right. of the yeah, yeah. kingdom um and so he waits for the cup of redemption and even the bread and the small morsel and stuff like that like they were already doing that in a seder meal Mm -hmm. jesus just gives it a greater symbolism so you so to take a symbolic meal now try to make it literal oh yeah this is my body and the blood
0: it's like it's uh what do they call that reverse engineer yeah like yeah
1: none of the disciples were sitting there and thinking yeah jesus that is your literal body yeah like i saw you Pick off a piece of your arm or hand and hand it to us. No, you picked up bread that symbolized this. He just gave it greater symbolism. And, and then the cup, it was wine. It, it was a cup of redemption. It was to remember them being redeemed out of out of Egypt as the nation of Israel. He gave it greater redemption. Instead of being freed from the bondage of Egypt, we're, we're going to be freed from the bondage of sin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He gave it greater symbolism, not more literalism Mm. and that that was a huge click for me it's like so on the foundation of already a symbolic meal communion never lost its symbolism we just uh, that last supper gave it greater symbolism what jesus was saying specifically directly before he died yeah so that so when you when you and, and this is like, I mean, there's whole chapters of thick theological books that you could read. And, and again, it, uh, every point of view is a view from a point. So if you talk to a Catholic or a Lutheran or a Methodist, you know, you're going to have these differing views. But for us, when we, when we take the whole of scripture and we take the whole of that kind of evidence, like, I think it's a stretch mm-hmm. to try to make it the literal body and the blood. And I think it's a stretch to even make it to coexist. I think Jesus just wanted us to remember. But if it was literal it wouldn't be a remembrance it would be an actuality of it. Mm. So his his own words would be contradictory. Do this in remembrance of me. Because if it was literal then it wouldn't be a remembrance it would be an actual thing that you are doing. Be a first time a moment every time. It would be a first time s- moment every time. Which some would and some would say oh well then you're re-sacrificing the body and the blood of Jesus. But it was a sacrifice once for all. Yeah, mm. That his body was given once for all, given once, not repeatedly over and over again through the act of communion or the Eucharist.
0: Yeah, because now that feels like we're back to sacramental law. There you, you go. know?
1: Yeah. Because, a, and, and you're absolutely right in that, because they would hold to the sacraments are a means of grace, who where ours is a symbol of grace. The grace that we were saved through faith alone, we have fully of it. We just don't want our heart and our mind to forget it. So we want to remember. So we continually do it. So we continually do it. And as often as we (laughs) do it, not only are we proclaiming the Lord's death, but we're also proclaiming his return. We proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So we're also proclaiming that God is not done. He is still... There's still human history that he's going to tie up. There's still uh, things coming and which puts us back into revelation. That is the looking forward of what God Mm. has left that he has revealed to us that he's going to do in and through. And so communion, when we take an act of communion, that is, that is a pointing of revelation because we're waiting for Christ to return.
0: This fits in
1: my sermon. I'm preaching.
0: There's (laughs) things you're saying. I'm like,
1: yes, there you go. So that's, that's communion and baptism. So, so, uh, full circle it, kind of sum it up. Um, I never want us to lower the bar of insignificance of either of these ordinances mm-hmm. that we are called to keep, nor will I raise it to the level that it is a means of salvation. But I do think we need a reverence for both of those. Mm. Not for what in reality they are, but the reality that is symbolized yeah. in them the body and the blood, the sacrifice of Christ, and the new birth that we have in him. That's what they represent, which we want to have high reverence for. So we have reverence for the Lord's table and for baptism because of what they represent. Our reverence is for that, to the reality, not Not in the symbolism itself. Welcome to The Breakdown.
0: This is not where I thought it was going to go. It's just so much better. <laughs>
1: I don't know about this all is that. Awesome. I don't know about all that. No, it was good. And 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 honestly, like uh, we've done we've done baptism a couple different ways in the sense of like when we do it. We've done um, we've done like a baptism and worship night, a baptism worship night, um, and then I really do. And then we've done baptism on a Sunday without communion. Mm-hmm for me I feel like there's just something about that we've just this is our second time that we've mm-hmm. done baptism CUNY. I, I like it and and we take the Sunday to teach on them and we teach in different ways about what each one is and I, and I think there's something good and significant about that for us um, and and not that we want it to become legalistic or traditional but uh, as long as it it keeps, bringing significance for us. Yeah. And not every time we do communion is it that way either. Like we take communion once a month, but we don't do baptism once a month. Yep. So there's, um, we, we, we kind of stage those out in different ways, but it's always good to be reminded. And I like it on a Sunday morning, baptism specifically, uh, because that's the easiest that we have visitors mm-hmm. or the whole congregation where uh, some of them coming back for a Wednesday or a Sunday night, they're not all there, but I want the whole of the body, Um, and knowing that uh, in the midst of the body are those that are on the fringes that maybe are still trying to figure out faith, or their friends are getting baptized, so they come to church, and they see that, and that's a, that's a, a tool of evangelism or sharing is through the act of baptism, and for the rest of us is a reminder of I remember when I got baptized. Yeah, I remember when I got. So yeah, mm. this is cool. The same same thing they're experiencing. I've been there, done that, and not for salvation, but it followed my salvation. From and salvation. yeah, and I'm reminded mm. I'm His. That's good. So,
0: well, hey, that's gonna wrap it up for us today. Thanks so much oh, again for good. joining us uh, here on the breakdown. Thanks, Pastor Nick, for. See, I did it. Oh, did there it. it was. I was right there. Wow. Um, You're for sitting down and, uh, that's fine, and, <laughs> uh, and hanging out with us. Uh, do us a favor. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever. You know the deal. If you don't, go back and listen to the other seven episodes. They end <laughs> basically all the same way, but... Yeah. Uh, feel free. Uh, we want this to be a tool and a resource. It's an extension of our church and the ministry that we provide here at Calvary. So if you have any questions, don't be afraid to ever reach out to us. You can head to our website, org. But uh, we'll be back in the hot seats next week as we dive back into Revelation and jump into Sardis. Sardis. It's going to be good. So awesome. we'll see you guys next week.